It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Pascal Siakam's established himself as one of the best players in the NBA, but is it enough for the Raptors and what could this summer hold as extension and potentially trade are both on the table? We'll dig into it all in our Pascal Siakam review episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1389, I think, or 88 of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't know why I keep counting the episode numbers. I guess it's just embedded in my brain as a thing I do. Maybe I'll work on it. Either way, I'm your host, Sean Woodley. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean if you're still on Twitter. You can also go on Instagram and find the show. Just search up Locked on Raptors and subscribe there. Follow whatever they ask you to do on Instagram. Please go do it. Also, the link in the description. Join it. Discord, baby. We got like 45 people in there. New people joining every day. Talking ball, talking baseball, talking all sorts of great stuff. Uh, the NBA playoffs, everything going on around the league. And of course, with the Toronto Raptors, come join our Discord community. It's super fun, and I love all the people who are in there. So come on and uh, become a person that I love even more than I already love you. Of course, a uh, huge thank you as always to the everyday listeners of the podcast. Shout out to you, and shouts to those who've already subscribed for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. Today's show is brought to you by the GameTime app. Go download the GameTime app right now. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right. On today's show, we're reviewing the season of one of my favorite players in Toronto Raptors history. And so had that known off the top, I come in with a certain level of like emotional investment it's Pascal Siakam. We're talking about Siakam's season, what was good, what didn't go so well, and what the future looks like. And that is a spicy meatball. Let me tell you. We'll get to that at the end of the show. We also have our Discord question of the day. Once again, get in that Discord channel. You'll be able to ask a question about all these player review episodes that will feature on the show. So uh, go do that, please. I'm not going to tell you again. Discord now. All right. Uh, before we dive into Pascal's season, just a quick note on the news of yesterday that Ime Udoka has been hired by the Houston Rockets, which means he will not be hired by the Toronto Raptors. Also uh, reports that from Chris Haynes that Adrian Griffin has been retained by the Raptors as an assistant and will interview for the head coaching job. So that's where that's at there. Uh, but Ime Odoka would not be coaching the Toronto Raptors. Ultimately, I've made my thoughts on this pretty clear. 
I did not think he was the right guy for the Raptors right now. Um, this is a team that has struggled with locker room dynamics all season long. And you invite in a coach who brings in tons of very, very credible and real questions about his fitness for the job. Um, you know, the Houston Rockets have to do a whole lot of, you know, proof of their work that they did to do background uh, deep dives, deep dives into Udoka's history, what happened with the Celtics to earn him a one-year suspension from the favorites to win the NBA championship, regardless of what you think about second chances, all that stuff. I think guys are certainly worthy of second chances. I just don't think you always have to be the team to offer them. And the Raptors did not need to be the team to get in the Ime Odoka business, considering they don't need all that extra stuff going into next season, considering all the stuff they've already got going on this summer with pending UFAs, a coaching shirts, all coaching search, all of that. Uh, I think it's better. They left well enough alone with the email Doka thing. And uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep tabs on the coaching search as it continues on. Let's dive in now to Pascal Siakam, shall we? Um, look, Pascal Siakam, really good basketball player. I, I think that should be set off the top here. I think this season he's kind of he kind of established himself as a, a star you can set your watch to almost, right? You know, there was some up and down seasons there. Tampa obviously wasn't so hot. Uh the year before in 2019-20, he was an all-NBA player even though I think he was maybe the second most deserving guy on that team of making all-NBA. I'll never not be mad that Kyle Lowry missed out because of Ben Simmons, but that's for another day. Um you know, the last couple seasons, though, we've really seen Pascal, I think, kind of hone in on sort of what he is as a player. And this year was, for the large parts of it, the best we ever saw Pascal Siakam play basketball. Think back to the first 10 games of the year where he was very much living up to his preseason promise of being a top five player. You know, we can argue the semantics. Was he top five? Was he top 10? He was playing like a end of the MVP ballot level player, which is probably the ceiling he'll ever reach. But man, he was incredible and was driving everything for that Raptors team that at the time had a lot of stuff not really going well. Scotty Barnes was still kind of making his way, uh, you know, spent the first couple months of this season really struggling to sort of get comfortable once again. Uh, you know, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi were going through shooting swoons. Fred Van Vliet was injured and sick and not playing very good basketball for the first two and a half, three months of the season. And it was on Pascal to really carry things. He was the engine of the offense. And when he went out with injury... You know, I thought, hey, you know what, they can probably survive this, but that really was sort of the first thing that took out the Jenga pieces that eventually saw the season come tumbling down, and, you know, he, he's... He's really important, and I think I underestimated the, the importance that Siakam was going to have, and it did feel like that 10 games that he missed felt like the beginning of a lot of the sort of structural issues the team had, the issues with role and, uh, you know, who, where are the shots coming from, who's taking the shots, all of those sort of tensions really felt like they burbled up to the surface during that stretch where the Raptors didn't play great basketball. I think they sort of scraped by 500 or so without Pascal, but before he got hurt, they were playing like dynamic transition basketball. Their their transition offense was scoring at like historic rates with Pascal being the driving force. Their half court offense was holding up at a pretty reasonable spot. You know, we talked coming into the season, if the Raptors can couple what should be a very good defense with like the 20th best half court offense combined with their transition and possession gaming, they'll probably be all right and probably be exactly where you want them to be. And for a time with Pascal, the offense was just good enough with him as the heliocentric force to get by. As the season went along, he got tired. You could see the legs were dragging for sure. But still, there was a lot to really like about what Siakam did 
this season. And, you know, I do wonder what happens if he doesn't miss time at that critical juncture of the season. Does the season go differently? Does it stay on the rails? Does the sort of issue and concern and question about whose team is it? Who, what, who's, who's got the lead ball handling duties? Maybe those go all out the window when Pascal's playing like a borderline MVP candidate and you can justify him being the sort of guy through whom most of the offense flowed. I think that's where you get the best of Fred Van Vliet a lot of the time, right? You know, him working off ball is always a very good thing. Um, you know, he wasn't hitting his threes early on, but in general, he's been a very good off ball player, a very good catch and shoot guy. And I think there's lots you can do with Pascal with the ball in his hands. It's a little more difficult now, is the thing, because of the Yakup Hurdle trade, because of the, the need to level up Scotty Barnes at some point here. And we'll get to those concerns in just a sec. A couple last sort of thoughts here on what Siakam did this season as far as where he was able to find success and where he might be able to find success going forward as the shape of the Raptors is certain to change under a new coach and as Scotty Barnes continues his ascension. Um, you know, he continues to be really good in isolation. He was 67th percentile per cleaning the glass, sorry, per the NBA.com's metrics and under player tracking um, from, I guess, second spectrum was where those come through. Whatever, whatever. NBA.com. Uh, 67th percentile is an ISO score, uh, one point per possession, and obviously that's just counting the scoring that he does there he does a lot of playmaking out of those situations as well drawing second defenders drawing third defenders drawing all sorts of help picking out passers or shooters you know his playmaking was as good as it's ever been this season the surveying of the floor while he's not a go around a screen get downhill and make waves you know with crazy bursts of speed type of player um his is a lot more sort of a pro probing and plotting style of, of floor surveying and creation but it's bloody effective nonetheless um and I do think part of his sort of success down the stretch after his little post Yakup Pertle trade dip, uh, I think a big part of his success that he had near the end of the year was just kind of finding those spots where he could go ISO and, and size up mismatches. The thing about the Raptors having OG, Scotty, and Pascal all on the floor together is oftentimes there's a mismatch to go exploit because the other team does not have that kind of size and length. And I think that became a pretty good avenue for Pascal to go and score. He was really good in the post again as well, 1.02 points per possession, which is a good mark, 65th percentile on post-ups. Um, and he continues to drive positive play when he's on the floor. Wasn't quite the same extent that it usually is. The last couple of seasons, he's been like, made the Raptors like eight plus points per 100 possessions better when he's been on the floor. Wasn't so much the case. This year was a plus 3.8 on off differential. So still driving positive play. Um, but I think he really got dragged down playing with a lot of those sort of in-between lineups where I think Siakam in particular really struggled to find groups there that worked alongside his skill set. Um, you know, we didn't quite get the success we saw with him playing with a bunch of 6'9 weirdos like we saw in the 2021-22 season. All told, I mean, this is probably Siakam's best season. It might be one of the best statistical seasons a Toronto Raptor has ever had, honestly. Um, you know, I think Kyle Lowry in 2016-17, all the advanced metrics on that were just like off the charts, painting him as like a top five player. Kyle, or sorry, Kawhi Leonard was outstanding, obviously, in his one season in Toronto. Plenty of good Vince seasons, a couple really great DeMar's seasons. But this season for Pascal is right up there among the very best a Toronto Raptors ever had. And it would be a shame if this were the end of the line for him in Toronto, considering the heights he's reached. Um, and he's done it all, by the way. Now, leading the league in minutes per game, two straight seasons. Just a, a very, very durable and very, very um, tired and deserving of a nap basketball player. We're going to come back on the other side and dig into the stuff that didn't go so well for Pascal. And the, the big question that's going to be, Top of mind this summer, is Pascal Siakam good enough that he can exist on this team and be part of the solution going forward? Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over 
at I've got it. I've got it. I've got the the thing. It's game time. Uh, <laughs> I'm very bad at producing on the fly. Here is the thing. But you know what's not bad is game time because they make buying tickets for your favorite sports events or whatever events you want to go to super easy and stress free. There's nothing worse than like toiling over a ticket app trying to find tickets for the right price. Game time gives you ticket deals right up to the day of the event, and you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And look. I've been scoping out. I want to go see the Toronto Blue Jays. They're very good. I don't think I'll ever be able to afford Toronto Maple Leafs playoff tickets, but that's not Game Time's fault. That's Toronto's fault. Uh, but when it comes to the Blue Jays, those tickets pretty affordable looking right now, and you can get yourself some money off of those tickets right now by downloading the Game Time app and creating an account and using the code Locked On NBA, where you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NBA for twenty bucks off. That could be an entire set of Blue Jays tickets for you and a friend for a game. They are tickets for single digits. Uh, in terms of dollar amount on game time right now for the Blue Jays. Go download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. And right now, I mentioned baseball season's going, grand slams, no hitters, double plays, they're back, and there's no better place to get in on all the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can set a step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. It's wonderful. Go and uh, check it out. Maybe you're going to a Blue Jays game and you want to go and have a little fun with FanDuel in a same-game parlay as well. While you're at that Blue Jays game, you can do that. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball and, of course, the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, trudging forward here on your first listen of the day. Thank you so much to the everydayers for tuning in. Again, if you're an everyday listener of the show... You've made the decision to have me be part of your life five days a week. Let me know in the comments. I would love to know so uh, we can get you some help. Uh, <laughs> I kid. You're making great decisions. I love you very, very much, and I appreciate you. Okay, let's dive in now to the bad of Pascal Siakam's season. And it's all relative, right? He's a very good basketball player. There was some stuff that didn't go as well as other things. And we can call it bad. We can call it, you know, basic basketball player having flaws and that's not nothing to write home about, but there's some stuff to look at for sure here. I, I think obviously the thing that comes to mind is the fit after the Yakup Pirtle trade was not ideal. We've been talking about this a lot, right? The issue of having Siakam, Barnes, and Pirtle as your 3-4-5, as much as there are some advantages to that, rebounding, size, really good on defense, uh, interior passing, all that stuff, uh, they have the wits about them to make it work as best as you can without actual shooting on the floor, but we're seeing the limitations right now in the playoffs of basketball teams that don't have a ton of shooting. The Warriors have been forced to go heavy Jordan Poole lineups and get rid of their Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, you know, one-two punch in the in the big man big man spots uh, a lot against the Kings because of the shooting the Kings have. We've seen the Cavs down three one. They have two guys who can shoot on the floor, much like the Raptors usually do. There are things to overcome. There are benefits to having size everywhere, but there are certainly things to uh, to reckon with, especially in a league where offense is king right now. And so that fit is going to be an ongoing thing of concern for me. I think I'm good to see. One more year of it, and I know I keep on being the kick the can down the road guy, but that's just kind of how I view sports is 
patience is extremely undervalued when it comes to team building and you know sort of letting things grow and germinate and sprout into something you didn't quite see like that is often one of the great joys of watching sports is having dudes who are on your team who you thought you knew prove that they're they're not exactly what you thought they were and I'm not saying it's guaranteed that Pascal Siakam comes in next season and is instantly a fantastic fit alongside Scotty Barnes and Yaka Pertle and there's a very real chance that there are some tough questions to ask down the line but I'll get into it in the last segment this summer might not be the time to make a big Pascal trade for a multitude of reasons but value is kind of number one we'll get to that in a bit um, beyond the fit, which by the way, Pascal regained his form in the pa- in, in the back like 15 games or so. Didn't quite score at the rate he was at before the act trade where he was about 25 a game, but he was at 23-8-5 on 57% true shooting after the sort of adjustment period. Perfectly fine. <laughs> like I, that's not a, a bad stat line or anything like that. He actually improved his true shooting mildly in the back part of the season over what it was for the season-long numbers. Um, and I think that that's kind of where you expect. Again, he's very much established what Pascal Siakam mostly is going to give you year over year. And I think you can kind of bank on, you know, a 23-8-5 kind of being his floor. He's just, he's going to walk into those stats. He was walking into his averages of 25-8-9 or whatever he was at in the early part of the season, kind of in his sleep. He can do that. He can produce for you. Um, You know, areas where he's not awesome, that are going to be tied to his long-term fit, these are things to really keep an eye on. Um, he wasn't a very good spot-up scorer this season. Per, uh, clean, or, sorry, NBA.com, 0.88 points per possession in spot-up situations. 22nd percentile in the league, bottom quarter, not what you want. Just a 44% effective field goal percentage as a spot-up scorer this season. That was down from pretty good numbers all in the upper half of the league in recent years. Uh, 0.98 points per possession last year. That was right around the 50th percentile. 1.01 points per possession in Tampa on spot-ups. That was just above like 54th percentile or so. And then back in 2019-20, you know, he was incredible as a spot-up guy. 1.14 points per possession. Um, Sorry, sorry, it was 1.00 in the 2019-20 season. It was the title season where he was a 1.14 guy in spot-up situations. Makes a lot of sense playing off of Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry. Lots of great spot-up looks created for Pascal. It was also his best three-point shooting season, which is not, of course, unrelated to all of that. Um, you know, he's always in the upper half of the league, for the most part, outside of last year. Um, or Sorry, this season, I guess we're talking about still. And I do think it speaks to the idea that, you know, at his best, he can be a good spot-up guy. The historical numbers are there. Not this past season. It's going to require context of the team to make a lot more sense. It's going to require him to sort of refocus on those sort of low-hanging fruit buckets. Can he be um, sort of a souped-up version, uh, sort of an amalgamation of the player he was in the title season, you know, with the player he's been the last couple of years where he has the playmaking chops? Um, that That's going to be a, a massive question going forward here. I tend to bank on Pascal figuring things out and getting to where he needs to be. He adds stuff every summer. Um, you know, it's cliche at this point, but like when the guy does it every summer, how do you say anything but I expect he's going to add more this summer? Um, you know, he's healthy going into the offseason. He'll get himself a full summer of work. We know he's a very hard worker, all that good stuff. Um, you know, other stuff that I think needs some work and that was down this year compared to previous seasons. 
you know, he was fine as a pick and roll ball handler this year. Um, you know, whatever kind of average, but he was bottom quarter of the league as a roll man in terms of his scoring efficiency. 0.91 points per possession as a roll man. That's down from 1.39 points per possession last year. He wasn't very good in Tampa. 2019-20, when the Raptors were devastating using Pascal as a, as a role man, he was a 1.10 points per possession guy. So there's a track record there of, you know, mixed results, but a track record of really, really great results for Pascal on the roll. Issue is, with Jakob Pertl occupying the middle of the floor, there's going to be less opportunity for that. Same with Scotty Barnes' sort of best thing right now is being what he does in the short roll. When you're playing small, you're probably not going to have Pascal be your go-to screener either. And so that pick-and-roll ball handling is going to take on added importance. Can he add a little bit of a pull-up game to make teams think? Can you make that Siakam and Jakob Pertl pick-and-roll work? You know, there's not a lot of shooting there right now, so it's easier for teams to guard. You can just play kind of a deep drop and really sort of hone in on stopping Pirtle, force Pascal into mid-range jumpers from a spot where he's been much better. Um, that's going to be a massive part for his game as well, is that pull-up shooting and the mid-range shooting. Can he use that to affect the way teams defend him? You know, other sort of thoughts on, on what went wrong this year for Pascal. This is probably his worst defensive season. I think, you know, you know, the team was basically a wash when he was on or off defensively. Um, but just sort of anecdotally, you can see the blow-bys were a little more routine this year. Um, you know, I still think his capacity for rising to the occasion when a big defensive stop is needed is still very much there. And if he can carry a slightly less burdensome load as Scotty kind of levels up his responsibility... Maybe you get a more sort of locked in across the game effort for, from Pascal on defense. You know, he's always been one of the Raptors X factors when it comes to their defensive success. You know, I even think back to the bubble 2019-20, as bad as he was offensively there, they don't make game seven without his defensive efforts there. Um, even the 2019-20 season, the whole concept of the Raptors scrambling defense was almost predicated on, well, Pascal is one of the best contesters there is when it comes to getting out and contesting shots while being deep in the paint when the shot's going up. He's really good at that. Let's make use of that. Let's weaponize that. And I do think the sort of big question going forward here is, can a new coach find ways to weaponize Pascal on both ends of the floor? Can he operate? Can he find ways to operate within the spacing constraints? Can he find ways to add to his three-point game? These are the questions that are going to define whether Pascal is a long-term fit on this team. And I don't think you can make that call until you see what the new coach brings and how it's all implemented next season. And then maybe you make a bigger decision down the line when in theory you would have Pascal on a longer contract, all that stuff. Um, the last thing that didn't go so hot for Pascal this year, and I know it's a sore spot for many, you know, the, the fact that he missed a couple free throws that could have tied the game in the play-in game certainly add to this, but it's clutch play, right? The Raptors were awful in the clutch this year. They were 28th ranked in the clutch after the Yakup Pirtle trade. Before the Yakup Pirtle trade, they were fourth. Uh, they were really good. And, and to me, a lot of Siakam's crunch time issues come down to team context and the space within which he's working. He is not so good a player that he can overcome cramped spacing and uh, extra attention in the way that you want a superstar to. And that's fine. Like, again, I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant or anything like that. Um, I, I'm perfectly accepting of Pascal's lot in life as, you know, probably the second best player on a very good team. Um, but, you know, the, the clutch time stuff has been not great. He's been in the 40s in effective field goal percentage in the clutch over the last three seasons. You go back to 2019-20 for the last time he was really good in the clutch, where he had a 63.3 true shooting percentage when him and Kyle Lowry were running 1-4 four, and 4-1 four, pick and rolls to just absolute incredible effect that whole season. 
you know, this season, it's not quite as successful. You, you, you know, not a lot of shooting around Pascal. That makes things difficult. Uh, Pat, you know, as much as Fred Van Vliet's a good player, he's not Kyle Lowry. And Kyle was such a more dynamic pick and roll partner in those sort of set base plays for the Raptors as well. And, you know, it's, it, again, it really does come down to the team context. And I think if there's more shooting, Pascal's going to have more room to operate and be a better clutch player. Is it on him that there's not enough shooting on the team? I don't think so. Like, that feels like something the Raptors should be addressing to better support their best player and not kind of leaving him in a sort of difficult spot where it's hard for him to do his thing best. And we see it all the time, right? Like, Pascal will cruise to the first three quarters of a game absolutely munching, and then you'll get to the fourth, and he becomes the sole focus of the opposing defense, and he has to go into playmaker mode. And the shots he does get up are heavily contested. They're in traffic. It's clogged areas of the floor. He's not even getting to the spots on his floor on the floor that he wants to. That's the stuff that really creeps into the clutch. And honestly, again, this comes down to some big questions that are going to be asked this summer, both what can a new coach to do to better optimize Pascal within this team, within the context that the Raptors are operating in? Can the three-point shooting be fixed at all? I mean, the crazy splits of 29% on the road and 36% at home. I don't know what to do with those. Can't make any sense of that. It's bizarre. Um, but we'll come back on the other side and get into other big future questions like, will Pascal get traded uh, or will he get extended? And and what does it all mean? we got our Discord question of the day as well. We'll get to that. Before we do all that, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at Prize Picks. We're making daily fantasy sports fun, super accessible and easy. Obviously, if you're a fantasy basketball player, the regular season's over and you've been doing the season-long grind. Now is the time to test out something that's a little more fun, not something that's going to make you pull your hair out when you have injuries over the course of a full season fantasy basketball season. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made fun and super accessible. All you got to do is pick two to six players on a given entry and whether they'll have more or less than their Prize Picks projection in a current stat and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry if you get them all right. No competing against other people. It's just you against the projections available. And playoff basketball is a wonderful time to dive on in. You also got the WNBA coming up. You can do it for WNBA games. You've got baseball, hockey, all of it, and a million other sports under the sun over on Prize Picks for you to go and pick players from for your entries. You can do cross-sport entries. No problem. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and it's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, and they're operational in over 30 states and in Canada in every province except for Ontario right now. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100, and that is amazing. Just go do it. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with PrizePix. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rounding it out here, final segment, taking a look at the future of Pascal Siakam. And basically, this summer, there are two things that can happen with Pascal. One, I guess there's three, but I think two likely ones. One, the Raptors extend him. They can extend him for four years and $192 million per spot track at the 30% of the cap max unless he makes All-NBA, which seems pretty unlikely right now, that would bump it up to the 35% max, the super max, if you will. Um, Pascal, probably going to make that 30%. The argument for extending him, 
He's really good. Having really good players on your team is a thing you want to be doing. And my long-standing sort of take on Pascal has been just because you don't have the number one guy on the team doesn't mean you go get rid of the number two guy. Because when you eventually get that number one guy and you've given away the number two guy, you're going to be like, damn, I wish we had that number two guy. That's just like, I feel like that's how this goes if the Raptors move on from Pascal Siakam, you'll see him land somewhere where he's in a perfect role as a number two, and he's, you know, playing for a contender, and you'll be just losing your mind when you're like, why couldn't that happen here? There's a chance the fit won't allow for it to happen here. You know, we've talked about the lack of shooting. I think it's worth seeing if Pascal can earnestly get in the gym and regain his former 37% three-point form from back in his early sort of successful days, as or 36%, I guess, was his best. 37% what he was at during the title season, 36 on very high volume during 2019-20. He's done it before. It's there for him to do and recapture. I think he can do it. He's a guy whose work ethic you, you believe in and buy into for sure. Um, and so that's why I'm inclined to say the extension is the way they should go here. You shouldn't just give away dudes because they're not quite good enough to lead you to a championship when they want to be on your team and they're all NBA level players. It's just a silly thing to be doing. It's just getting in the business of shipping off very good players for parts, which is probably what you'd be looking at if you traded Pascal Siakam this summer. Look, we don't know what the trade landscape's going to look like. We have to wait to see what teams get you know embarrassed in the playoffs, what teams have real holes exposed, all of that. But looking around the landscape of the league, it's hard to find a match for Pascal Siakam as far as team context. He is the type of player... He's not Kevin Durant, right? Where Kevin Durant can walk into any team and there's a fit. Pascal is is a bit of a harder guy to to fit to build a team around because of his skills, his limitations, all of that. And that is, you know, the, the Raptors are dealing with that issue right now, the sort of uncertain fit that they have on their team as it stands in the moment. I still would be very happy with an extension. I I think, you know, again, the the lack of value out there. Maybe there's a team that that really looks as like, oh man, that team is like a a Pascal away. Maybe the the Blazers pony up some massive offer with Anthony Simons involved or something like that. Their first round pick this year, if it doesn't become Wembenyama, maybe there's something there. I would much rather just kind of put my money on Pascal Siakam as being the guy who's going to be the solution over whatever poo-poo platter you get from some other team. And and look, I'm not saying that Anthony Simons is bad or if Shaden Sharp's there's bad or whatever, but like. I don't think Anthony Simons has ever tried on defense in his life. I don't think he would really fit with, uh, you know, what the Raptors want to do. Although I suppose with a new head coach, maybe the sort of focus on defense only is less of a thing. Um, I'm just, I'm not like sold on Anthony Simons. I would much rather just have Pascal Siakam on my team for four years than to go trade for Anthony Simons. Um, and so that's just one potential match out there, I suppose. There's any, there's other ones I'm sure we'll sort of ruminate on them over the course of the off season. But for me, he's an all NBA player. He is going to be, he's he's just turned 29. Over the course of his next four years beyond this one, he'll be what, 30, 31, 32, 33? I I don't think there's going to be a tangible drop-off from Pascal Siakam in that area of his age range. He's not someone who's predicated on jumping out of the gym, right? Like, my biggest thing with him is he doesn't doesn't dunk hard enough. He's not jumpy and sort of, uh, you know, quick twitchy enough for for my liking sometimes. I overcome it because he's a delightful player to watch because of the footwork and the craft and the touch. And especially if that three-pointer can come along back to its sort of previous levels from 2018-19 and 2019-20, I think he's going to age very gracefully as a player. And I would love to have him on the good version of the Scotty Barnes Raptors. And if he can, again, kind of become more of a viable spacing option, that makes it that much easier. I think 
you know, the mid-range expansion's been super notable, and the next natural step is for him to take one step further out and start knocking him down from three, but he was one of the, A, highest volume mid-range shooters in the league, and he was above average from every zone of the mid-range as well, um, and it's been a nice counter to teams loading up to stop him from getting to the rim, where he's absolutely devastating and kind of has always been. So, um, you know, it's still a natural progression of counters and adding new stuff to the game. We've seen guys add threes later in their career, especially skilled guys like Pascal Siakam, very skilled basketball player with good touch. Um, so because of that, I think extension's the move. Trade will examine potential things that could go down there, but I just I have a hard time giving up on the Siakam Barnes Pirtle trio after 25 games of seeing it in real life without knowing what the natural progression for Scotty Barnes is going to be, what the next step for Pascal is. Give me one more year to look at it, and then if you extend Pascal, you got him for four years beyond this year. Some contender who is cash-strapped, is stuck, um, is looking for some sort of like Drew Holiday-like addition to put them over the top. Uh, that's the type of team that will look at four years of Pascal Siakam as a legitimate asset and say, hey, like we get this guy locked in, we get the cost certainty, and we know he's a very good player. Let's go pull the trigger on a move. I think that's the time to go make a Pascal deal where he's got four years on his deal as opposed to, or three years or whatever, as opposed to the one year he's going to have if you were to trade him this offseason. Let's get now quickly to the Discord question of the day to round out the show. Uh, this one comes from Psychic. Our Discord user Psychic recently joined in there. Pascal Siakam was having an amazing season prior to the injury versus the Mavs, as we covered. Do you see a top five MVP season possible for Pascal in the next few years? Look, weirder things have happened, and I think, you know, Pascal's the type of player who He's never going to be like a heavy hitter. You know, this guy is going to win the MVP. Like, it's just not what's going to happen in the league where Giannis and Tatum and Doncic and Embiid and Jokic all exist. Um, but I do think, you know, we've seen a long history of fifth guys on MVP ballots coming from surprisingly good teams. And if the Raptors in the next couple seasons here can put together a fun 50-win season where everything goes right, Pascal looks awesome and he's the best player on the team, then I certainly think there's a world in which it happens. I I think it's possible this might have been the best season for it to happen, and it got derailed, and of course, you know, things did not go as planned for the Raptors, um, but as Scotty Barnes levels up in responsibility, I feel like that'll sort of take away from Siakam's MVP-level cachet. I think it's far more likely that he makes another All-NBA team or two. Like, I think that's certainly in the cards. He's very good, and if the Raptors are good, had the Raptors been good this season, he probably would have been an All-NBA guy. Like, he's right on the fringe there where the record's what's going to cost him in a not-very-loaded forward class. Um, but overall, no. Do I see him as, like, a likely top-five MVP guy? No. But does that make me want him on the team any less? Also, no. I, I think... Uh, normalize having good players who maybe aren't title-worthy contending guys. And also, I've made this point before, Siakam is like so emblematic of all the good this franchise has done over the last decade. It would be very cool to see him kind of see this through, be a Raptors lifer through the remainder of his prime. And, you know, even if it never ends in a title, if you can get back to a, a level where you're, you know, making annual playoff appearances and him and Scotty Barnes can become this fun, long, weirdo duo of future basketball... That's still on the table to me, and I think that's worth keeping Siakam around. Um, and again, I, I understand I'm a big Siakam head, and I'm probably more sort of invested in him being on the team than a lot of people are, but I, I think just the logical basketball argument's very much there. 
as well. We're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please go and support the show for free wherever you get your podcast by subscribing. You can join the Discord in the link in the description on both audio and video. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. If you're still on Twitter, follow Locked on Raptors on Instagram. And now go and check out yesterday's episode of Locked on Raptors where Big V and I played Factor Fiction around Masai Ujiri's press conference. Later this week, we've got more player reviews. Samson Folk from Raptors Republic is going to be on, I think, on Thursday to talk about Fred Van Vliet's season. That should be fun. Uh, should have Katie Heindel back tomorrow. Not sure who she wants to talk about yet, but we will talk about whomever she wants to talk about tomorrow. And please go check out Ranking Every Raptor. The first episode of what will be like 50 episodes of the course of this offseason uh, went up yesterday, covering the five worst players in Toronto Raptors history. Shout out Sam Decker and David Johnson, two recent names. With that, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 